Welcome to the very first episode of the Faith and Focus podcast. I am your host, Gabriel, here with a very special guest. I wanted the first testimony on this podcast to come from someone whose testimony has been influential in my life. Hans Krohn was my youth pastor from the age of 12 until I graduated high school. And I think that he liked being around me because the year I graduated, he became our Chi Alpha and College Ministries pastor at our church, which gave me a couple more years with him. He has an amazing testimony, including a battle with drugs, alcohol, and fitting into the status quo of others around him. His story has changed my life and the lives of my peers. So without further ado, I'm going to let Hans take the floor and start off by telling us a little bit more about himself before we get into his story. Well, thank you for having me. And I am 44 years old. I have eight kids, four of my own and four given to me that we adopted, and uh, we live in Colby, Kansas. Man, I've been here about 18 years, married about 19, and I find myself being a youth pastor again. So again, um, I'm actually a school teacher now and uh, have an opportunity to teach woods and construction at the high school and middle school and having a new opportunity to reach kids that are uh, tough to reach. So... Yeah, here I am back in the saddle again. Doing the actual work of ministry right now. Yeah, again. So, yep. My vocational. Yes, man. Let me tell you. I've been there. <laughs> Rough. I enjoy it, but that's just me. You've always done it, though. I've you, always done it. I've you, always done it. No one's offered to pay me. I guess I've never proved myself <laughs> enough think, to get paid. I don't think that's true. I don't oh. think they'd keep asking you back if you weren't. <laughs> no, it's just, you know, the way the Lord has led us and led me and given me skills as a carpenter it's just i don't know it's just i I think of it makes me think of uh paul that i get to be more like him and he made tents and tried not to be a burden and i guess that's what i get to do and plus it gives me another atmosphere to reach people in the community and be involved and i know a lot of people in this town because of it so yeah that's for sure yeah, especially when you're teaching their kids. Yeah. But, yeah, well, I have a lot of respect for bivocational because I've done bivocational, and it is very tough, like, to j- juggle the full-time job or the side gigs and then also juggle the youth pastor because you want to give your all in both. Yes, and, so. and that's where I always feel like is I am not um, giving my best as a youth pastor a lot of times because I'm not as available as I could be. So Yeah. Well, without further ado, I really just wanted to open this time up for you to uh, share your testimony, which is I've heard many times in uh, in youth group, but going back to when like way before you even knew Christ. Mm. And so, yeah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna just let you have the floor. I'll okay, let you just go with it. All right. So, um, I was born and raised in a uh, godly home. My grandpa was a pastor. In fact, he was at Garden City at one time, and he was at Chanute at one time, and then retired and moved to Springfield. And my grandma was um, one of the main editors for the Evangel magazine back in the day. Evangel, like the university? No, it's called the Evangel magazine. Oh, okay. And maybe it, I never made that connection, maybe it is through the university, but anyway, I know she was at corporate, did that. So I was raised... Um, I wasn't technically a PK, but I might as well have been. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mom drugged me to church, um, you know, Sunday and Sunday night and Wednesdays. And so 
you know, I knew of God. I saw God active at a young age and um, always believed in Him, just never really lived for Him, um, at least as an adolescent. So by the time I was 22 <clears throat> was when I finally got saved. So, um, you know, I just, I was a popular jock and I used to go to church camp, loved it, went there, got saved every summer, um, lasted about you know, a month at best, came home to a town and a school with very few Christians. Um, I only had two other kids in youth group most of the time, and they were as big a hypocrites as I was, um, and we weren't close at all, so it was just really hard. I, the odds were stacked against me, and I was just not, I was just not strong enough to live it out on my own, so... Um, Gave in to peer pressure, ran from the Lord for uh, pretty much all through high school. Um, some of my biggest regrets because I missed opportunities to lead others. Um, I was popular and, you know, I could have had used that platform to do some awesome things. Um, but anyway, I got in a little bit of drinking in high school, um, was promiscuous, you know, had some girlfriends and did inappropriate things. Um, got into college. Well, actually, before I went to college, I actually got caught in a drug bust. And so we were playing James Bond, and we were playing, which is a first-person shooter, one of the first ones ever, oh. Nintendo 64. Yeah, okay, yeah. So my buddy has that game, and I was like, are we talking about the yes, same thing? Okay, absolutely. Gotcha. James Bond uh, 007. And we are in my buddy's house. We were all um, kind of just higher than a kite. And police kicked in the door and were pointing their guns at us. And it was just a weird scenario. So we found ourselves uh, in jail that night. And uh, one of my buddies made a comment to me that, man, that we, had, uh, we had brand new orange jumpsuits on. And I had like V-neck and cut off sleeves and my head was freshly shaven bald and I had my big hoop earrings in. And they were like, dude, you look like you belong here. And I'm like, I don't belong here. Heck no. And uh, anyway, I remember calling my mom 3 a.m. <laughs> and it, this is how the call goes. Um, you have a collect call from the Allen County Jail. From Hans, please press one to accept the charges. And my mom is screaming, press one, press one. Ryan, wake up, press one. <laughs> uh, so they pressed the button and I convinced them to come bail me out. I was the only one who got out um, that night. Most of the guys were probably as not well to do off. Um, didn't have parents who would have put up $3,500. Holy smokes. Yeah. Just to get you out that one night. Yep. Just that one night was bail. So, and you lose that, you know, unless it's actually you're proven uh, innocent. So anyway, luckily I really was innocent. I didn't have any drugs on me that night. Um, It was a God thing because pretty much everything I had, we had used up that night. And so I just happened to not have any. Mm. Um. And my brother used to be a cop, and I think he 
kind of convinced one of his friends to make sure that he got me a wake-up call. Mm. So long story short, I ended up, I was about to leave and uh, go to um, Springfield to a Votech school. And uh, they made a deal with me and said, as long as you're moving out of town, we'll drop the charges. <laughs> wow, they wanted you out. They did. <laughs> they really did. And it's sad because to this day, I still have people in that town that won't talk to me. Wow. Because of what they read in the paper. And I was even innocent. I really was. Now, I had used drugs that night, but I actually was not guilty of the charges. And so, anyway, um, it was a kind of a long ordeal, but... So I find myself, Ozark Technical College. My brother's going to what was then South um, SMSU, not Missouri State yet. Mm, gotcha. And so he was there, and he was in Chi Alpha. Oh, here we go. Yeah. Here we go. So, um, of course, he said, yeah, if you come up here, I'll find you a place to live. Well, little did I know that was with three other Christians. Mm-hmm. So I have three Chi Alpha guys that lived upstairs, and I lived in the basement in my own little dungeon, not serving the Lord, right. <laughs> and everybody else was. So I continued to run. I was there for a year, um, met up with an, an older guy in his 60s with, from the Union who grew his own yep. marijuana. Yep. So Here we, go. We, we met up, and then he introduced me to some other drugs, and you know I was running even harder. Um, I found myself... Actually, coming back and visiting my parents in Iola, buying a bunch of um, drugs for my buddies who I went to high school with, and then I was going back to Springfield and selling it to all the guys I worked with. So, um, you know, I just ran and ran and ran, and um, I found myself a part of Chi Alpha, though, because Mm -hmm. I was still trying to keep this facade that I wasn't a bad person and that I still was interested in God, and so my brother invited me. Um, so I was going to small group on a regular basis. Yeah. Um, which, um, Savo, oh man, I can't even say his name, Sirali or something similar like that. He's, he, I think he's from Guyana, but he is now Chi Alpha National spokesperson or something. He's oh, really? Like high up now. Yeah. But he was my small group leader. Oh, that's pretty cool. So, yeah. So, I was doing drugs, living with three Christians, and going to a weekly Chi Alpha group. I was like, I don't know how much more hypocritical you get. Right, right. um, And, you know, it wasn't bad, and I didn't didn't hate it by any means, but I just wasn't ready to surrender. So, um, So, yeah. So, I spent a year there. And uh, got exposed to Chi Alpha for the first time, which is it was pretty important how God was still doing stuff in my life when I wasn't even serving him. And so I had a buddy call me up, say, hey, I'm moving to Pittsburgh State. I'm buying a house. We're, I'm going to do construction. I actually worked with him in high school. We had a summer job together um, through our building program. So I was like, he's like, you want to come in, you know, go in with me? I'm like, sure, why not? I got nothing else going on up here. Up there, I was pretty much going to a Votex school and already knew how to do most of the stuff they were teaching me. So I was really there to appease my parents. So I was still in school. Um, so I really wasted about a year. But I find myself in Pittsburgh. I move. 
um, which was good for me in a lot of ways because I left all the access I had to drugs. And so I showed up about 19, well, I was about 20 by then. And then I turned to alcohol instead. So I was able to get a hold of um, beer and liquor and stuff and go to some bars. And so um, in some ways, <laughs> not that alcohol is better, but for me, where I was headed, it was, it was a good change. Yeah. So I find myself um, with several of my buddies from high school were there, some other guys we played ball with. And so... Um, I got kind of connected with I, – I knew the whole football team. I partied with them all, you know, found myself cool again, popular. Um, back in your sweet spot. Yeah, back in yeah. the sweet spot. You know, it wasn't quite there because I wasn't technically on the football team. Right. But I had buddies I got to hang out with and people knew me. And so, anyway, um, you know, I was just kind of, again, chasing after other things other than God and – uh find myself um we went to a friend's house up in lawrence and went to a party up there at ku and we were coming back and um on our way back home my buddy actually fell asleep driving it's about two o'clock in the morning and i wake up we're in my old hoopty i had this old bonneville and it was awesome it was it was just road nice and big and I loved it. It was comfortable, and I'm a big guy. It was great. Um, what year was the Bonneville? Because my mom drives a Bonneville. I think it was 88. Oh, okay, my mom drives a 97. No. I was curious. No, it's older than that. Oh, okay. It was so a grandma car. Just when a big I got old it. boat. Oh, yeah. It was great, though. I loved it. <laughs> anyway, so I was driving this boat, and my buddy actually drove us um, back from Iola, back to Pittsburgh. And I wake up... Um, Next thing I know, I wake up, and I am laying out in the ditch. And I can't see out of one of my eyes because I have blood gushing out of my head. And I can look to the side, and I hear one of my buddies yelling for help. And he, I can see the car upside down in the ditch, and I'm looking through the glass across at him at the other side in the ditch laying there. Oh, wow. Yelling through yelling for help and i don't know what's going on and some lady's like you're okay you're okay the ambulance will be here soon you're gonna be fine and here i am i can't see out of one eye i don't know what's going on um which even worse there was uh, probably another five to six feet away there was actually a pond at the bottom of that ditch nope. that had we flown and flipped inside of that i don't know if one of us would have drowned or what would have happened yeah but it could have been a lot worse. So luckily, there's no other cars involved. He just fell asleep, ran off the road, flipped the car. I get to hit the windshield with my head, um, break my ankle and my leg. And um, that was my first wake-up call, you know. Yep. And I just feel like God was trying to get my attention. And uh, so, you know, there was a little time where I kind of behaved for a while and took it easy and thought I was going to make some changes and uh that didn't last too long so um the next time i end up uh in iola on the weekend and my buddy begged me to go back well we'd been drinking and playing softball and uh we drove the back roads back to pittsburgh and i passed out so we were going i think it was highway four we were driving south 
probably driving 70 or maybe even 65 um, on the back roads. And um, I wake up because I had passed out. I wake up and I had hit a tree head on. So there was a T intersection. I blew through it, hit a tree. Luckily, I had made my buddy uh, put on his seatbelt. So he was okay. But the, the tree, I could have reached out and touched it. The steering wheel was in my lap. The door had collapsed onto my leg. I was pinned, and the truck starts on fire. And so, and all of this is what uh, he had to tell me the next day because I don't even remember. Oh, wow. I don't even You were remember. that out of I don't it. Even, I was that out of it. I don't even remember waking up. I don't remember any of this happening. Only thing I remember is being loaded into helicopter later that night. Oh, you were life flighted. Yeah, I was wow. life flighted. So, um, and this is how funny God is. He finally gets me pulled out of the, I had a broken hip is what had happened. I, I had shattered my socket and the ball had pushed clear through and shattered my socket. And gosh, no, he had to no. jerk me out of that car while it was on fire. Um, and then the, the Lord sent a helper, um, which I think is hilarious because he was one armed. And so I laugh now that Lord gave me just enough help to get out of there. So the two of them drug me away, loaded me up in the car, and took me to the hospital. Just enough. Just, just enough <laughs> help. So one arm was all that was needed, I guess, to get me loaded. So, um, so yeah, so I, I definitely escaped death that night. Um, for, I the, know for the second time. For the second realistically, time. Realistically, yeah. Yeah, realistically, second time. And thank goodness I had, in my drunken stupor, forced him to at least wear a seatbelt. At least I was a smart drunk. I yes. Guess. Yeah. So anyway, so then I wake up and I see a highway patrolman over the top of me get, asking me questions, giving me a DUI ticket. And I'm like in excruciating pain. My hip, my hip is blown up. Um, I'm miserable. And uh, I, the next thing I know is they're loading me into a helicopter. And uh, all I remember was they kept loading me feet first. Well, my, I'm 6'3". I'm my legs were hanging off the end of the cart. So they were ramming my legs into the other side of the helicopter as they were loading me. With a busted socket, With which they busted, didn't know. Yeah, which they probably didn't know. They were just yeah. going to pick me up. And my mom said I yelled all kinds of profanities at them as they were trying to load me. So um, it was problematic. So I got life flighted in Wichita. And, Which uh, isn't too far from where you're at. No, not too far from Pittsburgh. You know, especially from like a helicopter. You're probably there. Yeah, twenty. And minutes? it was a life-threatening yeah. injury, really. I mean, right. it just was a lot of pain. Luckily, you know, I was I was not. I couldn't feel all that pain at the moment. But I wake up, and I have to. The worst part is I lay around for a day for my alcohol level to get low enough they could actually do something about it. So I had to sit in the hospital the whole next day sober. But my alcohol level was too high that they had to wait. So it was, it was, it was horrible. Um, I remember trying to even use the bathroom. Um, they had to get a bedpan. Wow. Yeah, and it was bad. And I had even just rolling over was some of the worst pain I've ever experienced in my life. And I about yanked the nurse over, over the bed just trying to get up. And it was miserable. So um, have surgery. They put uh, seven screws in my hip socket and get me all patched up. And I wake up, and who's there but Pastor Terry Yancey? Oh, man. Sitting in my hospital room. 
um, ready to visit me. So he was my DYD when I was in youth camp for years, and that's how I met him. And he had always kind of spiritually fathered me when I was at camp, and it was just an awesome, awesome relationship I had with him. And uh, there he was, and it didn't surprise me. Not exactly the person, like your district youth director of all of Kansas. Yes. You don't really want to see him after you've just been lifelighted for a DU, like all those things. And he was awesome. And he was awesome. He was there just to love on me and pray for me and encourage me like Pastor Terry always is. That's exactly how he'd be. Yeah. And he just was loving me back to Jesus and knew this was an opportunity. And so, um, yeah, so I get out of there. Finally, I'm walking around on crutches um and about i did really good actually i I finally thought you know what i need to change my life because i'm going to um, end up dying you know i almost died in these two car wrecks next thing i know the lord you know i don't know how many more chances he's gonna give me and i know i'm not gonna go to heaven because even though i believed in god i didn't he wasn't lord of my life and i definitely wasn't living for him and so I find myself um, doing really good, actually, and I spent that next summer on crutches, and uh, I don't know, it was about three months. I quit drinking. I tried to change my life, um, had some new people in my life that were a good influence, um, and then I had an old buddy show up. You and your old buddies on this. Old buddy from Fort Scott when I played football there. Um they showed up, and we, um, I thought, oh, heck, oh, cold. yeah, he, I haven't seen him forever. We'll go out and drink a few, whatever. I thought I'd be good, and then, you know, after being sober for three months, I drank like I always drank and didn't realize I didn't have a tolerance like I just, yeah. I used to have. You're a lightweight so, again. Yeah, I was a lightweight again, and I couldn't do it. And so next thing I know, I'm driving home from the bar, and I hit a parked car. Uh, I was in a little Suzuki Samurai, and I got thrown probably 15 or 20 feet, no doors on it, and I end up fracturing my back. Um, get back up, drive to my buddy's house, go to sleep, wake up next morning, and he's like, what is wrong with you? You wouldn't shut up last night. You kept moaning. It's like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I wrecked your car. <laughs> um which, you know, wasn't music to his ears, but... Uh, yeah, that's what you were moaning about. Yeah, that's Not, what I was moaning about. Yeah. So, um, sure yeah. enough, went to the hospital. It was bad enough. Um, actually had gotten in a wreck the day that afternoon. I had actually gotten in a regular wreck. Somebody pulled up in front of me. Um, so, I went to the hospital, get my back checked out. They only x-rayed the top half of my back. Well, my compression fracture was in the lower half, and they sent me home with pain pills and told me I would be fine in a few days. So here I am sitting at home. I was at home for probably about 10 days. I couldn't get up to do dishes. I couldn't get out of the recliner. I mean, you'd go to the bathroom or take a shower and stand up for any prolonged time was miserable. I just couldn't do it. And so finally got into the specialist and laid down in the chair we're on the bed, and he said, huh, does it hurt when I touch you right here? And he pushes right, just barely, and I said, yeah. He's like, well, your back's broke. you got to be kidding me. He's like, I can't even believe you're walking around. 
because you have a compression fracture you you probably have pinched nerves you shouldn't even be you should be in a brace so call my mom and dad and we end up going to Springfield to a specialist and having a special back brace made and I had to wear that for the next four months till my back healed that specialist said too he's like I don't know how you're walking around most people shouldn't be doing anything and so that was actually it the third wreck in about a year and a half and that was it and so I decided you know what I'm gonna make some changes so I did um, I got actually found a church with people from church camp I grew up with Mark Lehman used to be the camera guy that ran around and he is pastoring a church and they were meeting in an office front and then uh, Jesse and Phil Fewens, they were both people I knew from camp and so I got plugged into that church and surrounded myself with some people who love the Lord and um, you know God just took off once I made that choice and I was serious you know he just opened up doors and the next thing I know is I was leading a small group. We were doing it, three guys. Uh, we were doing a small group, and before you know it, it was it blew up to almost 30 kids in my house showing up on a weekly basis. And so we decided that we would expand to the chapel. And you know, at some point, we ran 50 to 70 Chi Alpha students at Pittsburgh State. And uh, God just was waiting on me to decide um, to follow Him and what He had for my life. So, yeah, it was a rocky road, and I almost missed it several times. One of the coolest things, though, um, I remember that same highway I wrecked on. There was a night where I was struggling and still battling with turning my life over to the Lord. And I remember watching, seeing on the road as I was driving, and I saw it in giant letters, and it said, I, and then I drove a little bit, still, I drove a little bit, love you. And God just sent, and I drove that road all the time, never saw it there again. But that night, He sent me a message just to kind of show me that He was, I knew He was real, but just that, that last push I needed to really go all in. And uh, that was just an awesome experience that uh, he met me there on that same road where I almost died and was speaking to me. So um, next thing I know, I meet my wife, um, graduate, and <clears throat> was working for a construction company in Kansas City. And things were going really good. And next thing I know, the Lord calls me to Colby, Kansas. And uh, we ditched my good job. I was about to get a raise and a company vehicle and all these great benefits. And never in my life had I wanted to be a youth pastor. But the Lord called me. And I, I, after three months, the pastor had asked me. And after three months, I couldn't stand all of a sudden my, my job that I loved. I had, a, I had godly men as bosses. It was an awesome place. We had a great church there. And uh, I couldn't stay away. I could not come do what God called me to do. So uh, that was the beginning. That was the beginning. Yeah, that was the beginning of Colby, my Colby adventure. 
And you're still here. I'm still here, man. I keep thinking, man, Lord, are you ever going to let me go? But I can't go till he's done with me. Ain't that the truth? So, yeah. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. I probably left out a few things here and there, but that's the gist of it. And uh, God spared my life more times than I can remember. And I'm sure there were other times, too, um, where I didn't get hurt at all. And uh, he just... Man, he chased after me till I finally gave in. So it only took you three car accidents. We almost died in each of them. Yes. And a couple DUIs and a broke hip where your yep. socket was broken. Mm-hmm. And form, I think that that's the, like, the, I think that was God. Like, it just sounds to me like God was like, yeah, you're going to get four months of a brace. Yeah. Like when you should have been paralyzed and you may have never walked again, which and you should have already was died. Not fun. I mean, it was miserable, but yeah, it's definitely better than being paralyzed. But, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But to shower, to you know, even having to shower, it was just it was a nightmare. Sleeping in it, it was hot. I just was really, really <laughs> for four months, really thought about my decision making. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have a constant reminder of yeah. it every single day, day in and day out. It was so. I was just stubborn, you know. I was one of those people that I knew better but wanted to try it my way and was determined to do it, and luckily it didn't kill me. Maybe that's what the Lord was like. Yeah, he's stubborn. He'll do it his way. That's why I'm going to call him into ministry. That was it. Very possible. Very possible. So, yeah. Well, um, so I like like the idea, and and I hope that this... This podcast will do that. I hope that it'll the testimonies will touch people's hearts. But I also think that like you leave off on that point of like God called me. I'm now a Christian, but like yeah. what what else has He done in your life? And I think I mean there's some pretty big highlights at least there within are. the last couple yeah, absolutely couple you years know, for sure. Yeah, we um, you know even coming out here not knowing what we're doing, you know it's funny. I was always a leader my whole life. I just had to choose a lead for God. So he always had given me that um, ability. And so it just was awesome once I actually let him um, be in control. And, you know, I, I lived for his purposes. So, you know, we had a youth center here. It was, um, it was great. I mean, we had uh, fifth quarters where we had 120 to 130 kids come out after basketball games, after football games to the point that I couldn't get rid of them, you know. I mean, they were just everywhere. It was awesome. And mainly middle school kids because they are the ones who are up for new things. But even after a while, you know, I always thought that it was about the the location or what perks you had and having this big youth center and pool and video games and all the other stuff. And after a while, they just got sick of it. They got tired of it. But, um, you know... Then it came down to we let go of that, came back to the church, and we had three students. And I remember starting the school year with three kids, and I was like, what am I going to preach? Three kids? Are you kidding me? And they were all church kids, pretty much, just kids who had to be there. It's not, not like they even you know, had that option, but we watched God multiply that. And I think by the end of the school year, we were up to 40 again. And it was just awesome to see that no matter what we were doing, God had um, He had a plan. And every season was different, and it's hard to compare one to the next. And then, um, you know, we decided to start Chi Alpha. 
because we are across from the college here and my wife and I met through Chi Alpha and we both served on Chi Alpha and uh, we just love that idea and we know that's you know a very important part of people's lives is in college so we started one here on campus and we did that so we were youth pastors and college pastors and then I finally gave up being a youth pastor for for a bit for a while for a little I bit I quit and uh <laughs> Focused just on being Chi Alpha leaders. And then um, once we did that um, for another four or five years, um, God brought into our life some some four new kids. And so uh, we find ourselves trying to help out a single mom who had a lot of trauma in her life. And uh, next thing we know, we had them in our house. And... uh, we were foster parents, and we ended up adopting them, and they just become part of our family. And we went from four to eight, like it was overnight. Yeah, really. And it really was. And uh, we had just literally two weeks before this happened, I bought a new house. And oh yeah, it was just I mm-hmm. gutted the whole thing, so it wasn't state compliant for foster children, but. They let us have them because we'd already been in their life. Um, But, yeah, we had just bought this house and actually had missed out on another house that would not have been big enough. And God opened these doors um, to have enough room to take on four extra kids. And little did we know it was going to be permanently. So, yeah, so it's it's been a bit of a roller coaster, but couple different job changes, God opening doors, closing doors, and now I'm back in the school, and so it's kind of crazy. Now I find myself as a youth pastor again after we've had a couple others and doing it all over again. So Doing it all over again. Doing it all over again, yeah. Yeah. That's an amazing thing for me because I, cause I was in your youth group since I was I, – I went to the, the other church down the road, and I went to the Wesleyan church, sure. but I was here practically from – yeah. seventh grade up seventh eighth grade up through college and, yeah through college and when you switched to be a chi alpha leader like primarily i was in the chi alpha group yes and that was super fun that was an awesome group of yes. college kids that was that was a great time that was some of the best years of my life for yeah. sure some of the best memories and then so what's funny is the house that you live in now is I moved the guy that was in it previously <laughs> right before you guys moved in. Like, yeah. I'm, I was moving him out. And then you were like, hey, I bought this house. I'm like, where's your house? And you're like, oh, it's, it's, it's over here. I was like, I, I just moved him. I just <laughs> moved him. And that was super cool because that house is a big house, and it definitely fit. I say fit, yeah. but it, it works for eight it works, kids. It works. And we're very so, blessed. Hindsight 2020, God was all in that for sure. He is, and you know, I was so mad because we technically got cheated out of the house before. Um, supposed to be a sealed bid, and we lost it by a hundred dollars. And when we made a very random offer, and so, but God knew, God knew where we were supposed to be and what He had planned, and you know, He's been so great um, financially. We've never wanted for anything. Um, he's always provided jobs when. He closed one door, he'd open up another door. Um, you know, he's just, he's been great. Even in this latest transition, um, you know, most people don't uh, leave a good 
paying job to go be a teacher. Yeah. It was, it was, it was a pretty big, uh, loss in paycheck, but you know, he's made it up even this summer, given me some jobs to do and blessed me with some jobs coming up that man, I could never have dreamed of, but he is just, we're never in want. He's always faithful. And, uh, my patience are pretty pretty gone with eight kids, you know. They're oh, kind of limited now. But, I can't imagine. And the gray hairs are coming, but the Lord is still faithful. So. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. I only have one, and, and she's a year old. And I'm just, yeah, I feel like my patience is, and, and you have eight, so I'm just. Eight, and you just started, buddy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Just, just don't ever think you're done. Yeah. yeah don't exactly. ever think you're done, because when you think you're done, God's going to be like, well, let's see what I can yeah. do. Yeah. So, yeah, God's been good. So, uh, definitely faithful in and out. You can definitely see it through your story. One of my, one of my favorite questions is, so think of like, think of a Hans right now who would be hearing this or a friend hears it and it's like, Hey, I know you're in this situation. Like you were addicted to drugs or alcohol is a big part Mm -hmm. of your life. You're talking to young Hans or you're talking to somebody in this situation. What are you going to tell them? What's the advice that you'd give them? Um, stop running. Oh man. God is never going to quit. God never quits chasing after us. Um, and I feel like I did miss a lot of opportunities because I waited so long. I just wonder what could have been had I started years earlier in the places he could have taken me. Most of all, really the people I missed out on sharing Christ with that I will never see again or have that opportunity again. And so I would just say, you know, give in, give up. It's the best decision. I've done it both ways. Best decision I've ever made. God is always, man, even when things seem harder to have that peace in life and to have him being Lord of all, being in control, there's nothing, no better feeling in life. Yeah. So. Yeah. Surrender now. Surrender now. Quit Quit running. running. Quit running. I love it. That's um, you. You say like, what could have been had I had I not kept running away? Like, kept running from Christ, and uh, for the very short amount of testimony that I've even given on 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 this podcast is um, part of it was suicidal thoughts, and it started one week in Thanksgiving week in twenty twenty one. I think twenty twenty. 2020 it was 2020 and uh, the first week that i was really dealing with it hans you were there i was there yeah, yeah you were there and you took me on a drive and you prayed with me and all he did was just talk to me he was like terry yancey just like <laughs> loving me back to jesus even though i wasn't i wasn't running yeah. i was just i was scared totally. and i didn't i didn't know what to do and it's something i never really faced and over the last two years which is wild to say that it's been over two years like the freedom that has come from the Lord and me just constantly seeking him. But one of the major things that I've seen, and I don't want to take away from what you've said, because it's your, your testimony. I really want to highlight that. But, um, there are people on this planet and there are things on this planet that will not be done unless you do them. Sure. Like God thought so much of you and me Mm -hmm. and everybody else. He's like, I created you with a purpose because I thought so much of the idea of Hans grown or Gabriel. And if you don't reach those people, then they're not coming. And if you don't do these things, then it's not happening. And that's one of those things that just was such an encouragement for me over the last two years was 
what it would what would not get done if I wasn't here, yeah. you know. And so that's one of those things that like quit running. Like, what are you missing out on? Yeah. And that's and I don't think I I wouldn't ever want anybody to be discouraged by that yeah. either. But in the same way, but like what could have happened well and i think that's why i ran was i thought i was going to miss out on so much because i felt like living for the lord you lose all these other opportunities you didn't get to party you didn't get to date girls you didn't get to do this or whatever and and you know i had to learn the hard way that those things were not filling oh my goodness the regrets i had even when i went to get married because I had screwed up so bad, it was one of the hardest things I had to swallow that, you know, I couldn't present myself to my wife as this pure and holy guy. And uh, I think it's a misconception. It's where the devil takes you. It makes you think you're going to miss out. The funniest thing, and it's not really funny, it's kind of sad, but when I turned, literally turned my life over to the Lord, you know, I was going partying with tons of people. I knew lots of people probably you know, most of the football team and all the cool people, when I turned away from alcohol and partying, I pretty much lost almost all my friends. All these people that I had cherished, spending time with, I had all these memories, even guys I grew up with. My best friend walked away from me, basically, because I wanted to serve God. And um, it was awesome to watch God fill those voids with genuine relationships and genuine um, emotions and feelings and having a purpose and uh, it was it was definitely worth the trade in the end because all those other things were just empty in my life and I wish I had just learned it a little sooner yeah yeah I think so there's there's a quote that I actually saw today and I just I just want to read it because I think it'd yeah. be I think it'd be good is uh, I saw it on uh, somebody in my family's post and they said God will never let you excuse me God will never let what you've lost be the best you've ever had and I saw mm-hmm. that originally and I was like oh that's yeah. cliche but uh, <laughs> like I don't know it's just kind of on my heart right now is because like you've gained so much oh, yeah. throughout the years even with that and yeah. so yeah, yeah. he's a good God. That he is. That is for sure. All right. And then the last question I have is, if you could describe Hans in three words, pre-Jesus, what would they be? Pre-Jesus? Pre-Jesus, what would they be? Uh, arrogant. Um, troublesome. That was kind of a hothead. Yeah. Troublesome, hothead, and arrogant? Yeah. <laughs> that I was me. It. I love it. Yeah. That was good. Well... As far as that goes, that's really all I've, I thought we'd get through, and uh, I'll definitely find a way to end this the best way. But I just want to thank you for being on here, being the first yeah. inaugural guest. That's really special to me because you are my youth pastor, and uh, that's it's really special to me. So, Well, I'm honored, so I hope that somebody can learn from all my big screw-ups. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know I know. I did even throughout the years, and like sure. I wasn't addicted to that. I had those things even in my life, and... Um, yeah, I believe that your testimony among others will definitely touch people's lives. So thanks for being on here and, uh, I love you and I'll see you, see you whenever I come back into town. All right, man. Love you too, buddy.
Thank you guys for listening to the very first episode of the Faith and Focus podcast. I was really excited to get this first testimony out to you guys so that you could be affected by Hans's story. Revelations chapter 12 verse 11 says, And they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even until death. There is victory in the blood of Christ and there is power when we tell our story. So if you know someone in your life who's going through something the same as Hans or something similar, send this podcast to them and see what God can do. Praying for all you listeners out there and we will see you in the next episode.